Pastor Kelly, uh, if you did not notice that. He is on a much-deserved vacation this morning, and so we are grateful that he's able to spend some time with his family uh, and get away and rest and recharge. And so uh, as we dive in, we're going to continue in the series that we have been in uh, with Nehemiah, facing some opposition uh, with God's help. Uh, I am actually the interim youth director right now, and youth are dismissed. Speaking of youth, thank you. <laughs> you guys can go with Kelly. Uh, so tonight, uh, if you have youth uh, and you want to talk with me after service, I would be more than happy uh, to share with you. They're going to do some really cool stuff this week. Uh, tonight, we are going to play Cutthroat Mafia at 7 p.m. with high school, and so we're very excited about that. Uh, and then this coming Wednesday, we're actually doing a video game night, uh, so we'll play some Smash Brothers, some Fortnite, and Minecraft uh, if they want to bring their tablets or laptops. Uh, that's both middle school and high school. And speaking of Minecraft, uh, I've got a quick video uh, that you'll see up on the screen. This is a time-lapse video of what some amazing people have been able to put together. Uh, it's amazing to me what people can do in Minecraft. Uh, they can build, and there's two different modes that you can play in in Minecraft. There's survival and there's creative mode. This is creative mode, and this is a group of people, and this is fast forward, uh, but they're going around and making these elaborate castle buildings and they can make cities. You can do all kinds of stuff. I've seen uh, someone has done the Titanic. Uh, they can just do some great things. And in creative mode, you have unlimited resources, and you can't die. So nobody can take your stuff uh, and, and destroy your buildings. Uh, so it's pretty relaxing, uh, and it can even be a little bit therapeutic, uh, just restful and nice. And then at the end of it, you can do these crazy things and show them off to your friends. Uh, and, I mean, it's just amazing the amount of time and energy that you can spend to make just some really, really creative things. Now, I mentioned there are two different modes. There's creative mode, like that, and then there's survival mode. And if you have kids who play Minecraft, usually instead of these nice sounds and quiet uh, if you have children that are playing Minecraft, you hear sounds like this coming from outside of their room. So it's not quite as mellow. Uh, there's some yelling that takes place, and uh, it's very stressful. And survival mode uh, is a lot like, a lot more like real life, maybe minus the zombies and, and the things that are attacking you. But uh, you don't have unlimited resources in life, uh, and we don't uh, have access to whatever we want at any moment. And, uh, and so tonight, or not tonight, right now, we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to stand strong uh, in the face uh, of opposition. So uh, if you want to open your Bibles to chapter 4 or use the Bible app, to look up Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 4, that is where we're going to be. Uh, to bring you up to speed, 
The people of God are facing uh, a real-life threat. Uh, They are rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, and they've just finished framing the doors. So they've accomplished stage one of the rebuild. And here's how the enemies of God respond. If we look at Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1 and following. When Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What they are building, even a fox climbing up on it, would break down their wall of stones. So there's three things that we're going to learn as we unpack this passage. Number one, don't be surprised when you face opposition. If you are trying to accomplish a God-sized dream, if the Lord has put something on your heart to do, then don't be surprised when you face opposition. In fact, we should expect it. Number two, advancement invites opposition. So the more that you do for God, the more that you put yourself out there, the more others will take notice and oppose you. Number three, the devil doesn't bother those who are not a threat. So if you're about God's work, know that you will face resistance. Let's jump back in to verse four and see Nehemiah's reply. What does he do? He prays. Hear us, O God, For we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. Two quick observations from this. Uh, Number one, Nehemiah's prayer makes us a little bit uncomfortable. I don't know if you've ever prayed that God wouldn't forgive someone. That doesn't doesn't really sit well with most of us. It doesn't seem very Jesus-y. And yet, uh, we we have to remember the context uh, of what they're facing. They They have just been in captivity, and they are surrounded by enemies. They don't have walls. There's no military power. They are the underdog in this situation. And and if you're in the Middle East during this time, forgiveness is a foreign concept. You might forgive your family members, but to forgive your enemies would be a sign of weakness. You couldn't do it. It would mean certain destruction. And so in their context, what Nehemiah prays makes perfect sense. And it's actually uh, also helpful to us if we understand it in that light. Uh, It sounds a little bit like what Jesus did with his disciples when he 
encouraged them to go into villages and to preach the good news. And if they were rejected, what he said is, take your sandals and shake the dust off of them as a sign to God that they had rejected you. Why would Jesus say that? If Jesus wanted them to go in and preach the gospel, he obviously cared about those cities. Why why would he want them to shake the dust off? And I, I have to believe that it's because, yes, God cared about those people. It wasn't against those cities. What it was is it was for his disciples. Uh, instead of shaking their fists at God, these stupid people, why don't they get it? I think it was more of a symbol of, I'm washing my hands of this. Their response to the good news is on them. That's between them and the Lord. I have done my part. I am no longer in control. I relinquish that to God. And hear Nehemiah's prayer. I need you, God, to take care of my enemy. I am releasing what's going to happen to them to you. And that is where we can draw from this parallel for our own lives. When we face opposition, when people come against us, our natural inclination is to hold a grudge. Our natural inclination is to waste emotional energy on thinking about them and what they think about us. Nehemiah doesn't have time to give that energy to his enemy. So he releases that to God. And when he releases that to God, it sets an example not just for himself, but for all of the workers, now they're able to give with all of their hearts to the project of building. If you've been in some of those group projects, uh, if you've been assigned a group uh, to work with either in school or on your job, you know group projects are the worst because you always get stuck with slackers. Or maybe you're the slacker and everybody else is picking up your work. But That's not the case here. Nehemiah sets an example, and he gives his heart to the work, and all of the builders are able to set their mind, their attention, and their emotions on the task at hand. So, the lesson to trust that God is able to deal with our opposition, to deal with with those who come against us. So they finally start to gain momentum. They've built the wall up a little bit. And then more threats, uh, because they continue to progress, they get further along, they've gained momentum. Remember, advancement invites opposition. And so let's slide down to verse 10. Meanwhile, The people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, now pause right here. They're about to report the rumor, or they're about to report to Nehemiah and the people what the enemies are saying about them. Sorry. Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them, and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, 
they will attack us. And so tonight, uh, high school is going to get together. We're going to play a game called Cutthroat Mafia. I mentioned that. Uh, This is a really fun game. It's one of my favorites. We're going to get together in a room, and the group will be given uh, some cards, and the cards will tell them what they are. They're either townspeople or they're the mafia, and there will just be a few of them who are mafia, and then we'll turn the lights off, and it'll be pitch black, and they won't be able to see who's who, and they'll go around, and they'll be walking, and all of a sudden, with no sound, someone will come up behind them and say, or they won't say anything, they'll just go like this. And that will mean that they have to die. And they have to lay there on the ground until someone trips over them and somebody says, dead body, and then we turn the lights on and then they have to guess, who is the mafia? And it's really fun and we laugh and we scream, but it's because it's a game. To the people of Nehemiah, the Jews, this is not a game for them. They are legitimately afraid that something like that is going to happen, that they're going to be working on the wall and someone's going to sneak up behind them and end their life. And so Nehemiah has already prayed. He's already released his anxiety to the Lord. Whatever is going to happen is going to happen. It's up to God to defend them. But as he's released his anxiety to the Lord, he still takes time to listen. He's a good leader. He listens and he cares. And then he thinks and he acts. So he strategically places guards along the wall. Those who weren't working on the wall were strategically placed at the lower parts or the lowest parts of the wall. And he places them in groups by family. And I think this is both smart strategically on a military level, but also it shows that he cares. Because he knows that, one, if I'm a builder on the wall and I'm concerned about these threats that are going to happen in the cover of night or in a different location that's happening uh, all around the city, if I hear a trumpet sound or if I hear that there's been an attack, I'm no longer thinking about the wall. I'm no longer concerned about the next brick. What I'm thinking is, how can I get back to my family? How can I protect them and make sure they're okay? So at the first sign of trouble, I'm not defending this wall. I'm going back to take care of them. So Nehemiah brings the family to the builders. They work side by side. They also, Nehemiah knows, they're going to fight for the family there. They're not going to run away because things look overwhelming. They're going to stick side by side and defend their families to the death. And so Nehemiah takes care of his people by making sure that they're all in it together. The easiest way for us to give up on our God-sized dream is to try to accomplish it by ourselves. There is strength in numbers. There's strength in inviting others in who will share your God-sized dream with you. Let's look at verse 14. 
Here is what Nehemiah says to inspire the people. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is good or great and awesome. Nehemiah's faith is contagious, and it spreads throughout the camp. The greater the opposition, the greater the opportunity for God to fight for you, to fight for you and I. Let me repeat what Nehemiah said. Don't be afraid of them. Don't worry about what they're doing. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. He's going to draw on what they knew about God from their history, what God had done in bringing them out of Egypt, of all of the battles that they had faced, all of the times that they had been underdogs, and yet still somehow the Lord provided a way out. The Lord provided what they lacked. And that is what God invites us into as we serve him, as we dream, as we invite God in to the vision that he has given to us and laid on our hearts. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. Here's what Nehemiah understood. He understood this was not just about building a wall. He understood the why behind what he was doing. This is for your family. This is for the people of God. This is for our nation. This isn't just about a military structure that protects us. This is about us being able to come back to the land that promised, God had promised us, that we could worship the Lord and serve him faithfully. The why behind our what is really important. I was at a training in Dallas, Texas. A guy named Brian Summerall is kind of the guru of training for young life. Uh, in Dallas, Texas, they've got a, a club of about 350 kids that shows up on a regular basis. And a big part of that is they understand the why behind what they do. Uh, and they're able to communicate that and share that and invite adults who care about students in. And also, they share the same vision with the students that they're serving. That they invite their students into caring for their friends in the same way that they do. And it's contagious because they know what they do doesn't matter if they understand why they're doing it. They can change the what, but they have to understand why. And so if you know what God has placed on your heart and why he's called you to it, then when things get hard, you won't cut bait and run. You'll stick with it because the why will continue to compel you to be faithful. We have to remember to expect 
Opposition is going to happen. It is a natural part of serving the Lord. We live in a fallen world, and we know that this life is hard. And even Jesus said this, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So if we think that we're facing opposition by ourselves, then we'll be anxious. We'll need to grasp onto control. If we think we're alone in it, we'll be overwhelmed, we'll be stressed, we'll be tired, we'll overwork ourselves. If we think that it's all on us, then we'll be paralyzed. But if we know, if we have faith, that God is in it with us. And there's no obstacle that's too big. There's no threat that's too great. Because our God is big enough to overcome the world. So I've got just a, a few questions uh, that I, I want to send you out with uh, this morning. When you face hard times, how do you usually respond to them? When someone threatens the work that you're doing, or comes against you, or spreads rumors, how do you naturally and normally respond? Because if we just respond out of our natural inclinations, uh, it tends not to go well for us. But if we're prepared for those things, if we know that when we're doing God's work, people will come against us, when we're about God's business, that we'll face opposition, how, if we act like Nehemiah, can we prepare ourselves for the hard times as we pursue God's work. Let's, uh, let's chew on that this week. I'm going to close us in prayer. Father, I want to thank you again. Uh, you are a good God who has blessed us with so many things. And I pray that as we come before you and we lay ourselves at your feet, as we put our fate in your hands, Father, would you continue to show up? Would you continue to remind us that you're faithful? Would you continue to remind us that you are a good God? Lord, we ask that as we think about these things, as we think about the things that you've put on our hearts, the burdens that we have for others, uh, the burdens that we have for the world around us, God, would you continue to inspire us to dream big? Would you give us an answer uh, to the why this is important to you and why it should matter to us? And Father, would you remind us in the hard times that we are not in this by ourselves, but that you go before us, that you see the big picture, that you see how this unfolds, and that ultimately, God, the, the end result, you've already won it for us. So God, let us rest in you. Let us be faithful to the work that you've called us to. And would you allow others to join us in the journey, in the adventure. God, thank you again.
for your mercy, for your sacrifice, for your love, for your faith. We pray this in your name.